History is a tale told backwards. To learn history, then, is to know the end ahead of time. It's reading the last page of the book first, finding the problem from the solution, asking the question from the answer. It is knowing that whatever happens during the story cannot change the outcome. But it can change the reader, and how we change from what we learn is perhaps the most important part of the story. Welcome, everybody, to Tales from the Velt. I'm Nick. I'm still your host, doing GM duties for our little foray here into the Velt. And with me is Kat. Hi. Our normal GM and currently playing Hazel. Very normal. Very normal. Also with us is Kathleen. Excuse me, let me try that again, because I was looking at my notes and I was just like, and with this is Momo, and I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the nickname that's appeared on the show yet. No, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. Um, <laughs> weirdly. No, no, it hasn't. Also with us is Kathleen, who is playing Lane. Hi. And finally with us is Kirsten, who is playing Rick. Howdy. Hello, hello, hello. We have said Kirsten, Kirsten, and Fun Size all on the podcast, I think. Mm-hmm. Does Nick have any... Does you... Nick have any nicknames? <laughs> <laughs> You've answered your own question. <laughs> I, love, uh, I love, does Nick have any, because... All of us knew what came next. (laughs) Well, it's once I started saying it and realized what I was saying, and I was like, well, oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, nowhere to go but forward, I guess. I'm committed to it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Last time, Hazel, Lane, and Rick had made it to the Impact Crater, a large underground room covered when the Cloudcomb Mountains melted so very long ago. At the center of the crater was the remains of a great celestial body, referred to in the notes they found as the source of the star metal. It was, perhaps thousands if not millions of years ago, a daleth. It has been dead for a very long time. Outside of this, they also still need to worry about the unusual and dangerous possessed automata that has been stalking them through the facility. And that's where we pick up. To get a little bit of mechanics out of the way again, remember, in this room with the fallen star, magic doesn't work. And y'all don't feel very good. Mm. Yeah, I think Hazel does an abrupt 180. Like, she started by being like, I gotta go there. Now that she's here, she doesn't want to go here. She doesn't want to be here. Ooh, a failure on adaptability focus from Lane. Lane is shocked and standing stark still. I think Rick is going to actually roll adaptability humanity because he's not going to be reading the crater. He's going to be watching Lane's and Hazel's reactions. All right. Ah, one success. Does he notice something's weird? I will say, yeah, even with one success, both Lane and Hazel, they're being very obvious about the fact that they're not, they're very much not comfortable here. Even Rick isn't very comfortable here. 
You know that Simpsons clip where Grandpa Simpson walks into the place and hangs up his hat and then immediately turns around, picks up his hat and leaves? Mrs. Hazel. Yeah, that's Hazel right now. She walked in and she's like, nah, uh uh bye. Like, uh, this is a revolving door, right? Because boop. Rick uh, sees Hazel and Lane's reaction and is like, yeah, let's... We shouldn't be here. I mean, I'm curious, but also we shouldn't be here. There, There is a tremendous amount of equipment and all sorts of other stuff scattered around the room. Obviously, it has not been used in a very long time, but for some reason, almost none of it seems to match any of the wear and tear of the facility around you. It feels as if people just dropped these tools, these notes, whatever they were doing, and left like 20 minutes ago. Lane, Lane, let's go. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Um, I know, I know. It's... Uh, um, it's too quiet in here, and Hazel's hand just starts wandering toward her trumpet. Maybe, maybe outside, I think. Yeah, Professor's gonna do another humanity, daring humanity, to, like, help everyone be a little bit more collected. Okay. Please do. One success. One success is enough, but everybody takes one scatter. Oh, okay. Mm, okay. What does Rick do? He pulls out one of his... He has a bunch of weird trinkets and gadgets with him. And he pulls out one of them and pulls out another one of them and passes one to Hazel and one to Lane. Huh? Something to look at and focus on other than the weird crater room. And it's like, here, these these are things that I've been kind of like looking at and studying. And I think if you want, you can like hold on to them and see if you can feel where the, the key is to these boxes. Because I think that these boxes will open. Let's try to figure these out and also do that away from this room. Because we can concentrate better if we get out of here. Lane kind of grabs the box without looking at it and squeezes on it really hard. Oh, I hadn't thought of using that kind of pressure. Interesting. Note it. Hazel shouts from the door. You don't have to convince me. I'm trying to leave. Come on. All right, let's go. I... Okay. Okay. Lane is walking pretty slowly and I think uncharacteristically puts a hand on Rick's shoulder. Rick lets the hand rest on his shoulder and guides them out of the room. (sighs) Everybody does feel a little bit better in the airlock. That sucked. Until they see who's staring at you from the other side of the airlock. Can I cast spells? I will say in the airlock, yes, you can cast spells. It feels weird, though. It's like you're on the event horizon of something. But on the other side of the airlock is the yuck monster. The yuck monster is just kind of staring at you. It tries to get close to the door and instinctively backs off whenever it gets too close. I hate that you're smarter than we are. I'll show it who's dumb. Not me, that's for sure. I think Hazel's going to cast her signature spell. 
All right. She's going to cast Brilliant Carnival. That's amazing. Ooh, this sounds fun. What does Brilliant Carnival do? It definitely just kind of completely transforms the surroundings. Like, <laughs> like there's definitely a fanfare because all of Hazel's magic is accompanied by some kind of fanfare and a pop and some spectral confetti. You look around and you can see garlands hanging from the inside of the airlock all of a sudden. And there's like little ornaments hanging in the air that are shaped like little cartoonish suns. And they're giving off what is effectively sunlight. Ooh. Ooh. And they're hanging around like they're orbiting around the party members. (laughs) And they're wearing little hats. The little suns are wearing little hats. It's an extremely Uh cheerful spell. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That is a very wonderful spell. I guess in that case, then, what is the mechanical benefit of the spell? What are you attempting to do then to the party or to the stalker? Surround the party with sunlight. All right. So that the stalker will fuck off. (laughs) Am I allowed to say that? Uh, This is your podcast, so I guess you're allowed to say whatever you want. (laughs) I can say as many fucks as I want. You can't stop me. But seriously, I I, I do want the stalker to to be very uncomfortable and or upset and to flee our presence. That's what I want the spell to do, is to create enough sunlight to upset and or harm the stalker. I will say then that this will be one-to-one then on the Outlast track or drive off, your choice. But if you spend more than four, something weird might happen. Okay. Like, I'm going to drive the stalker away. I think that's my goal, is to drive away the stalker. And I... Take your challenge, and I spent five. All right. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, actually, I'm kind of glad you're taking the challenge because I'm curious and. <laughs> so that will advance the drive off track. But the carnival, as wondrous and inviting as it is, Some of the pieces get a little too close to the other room, and you can see them being siphoned away into the room. And a unusual groan sounds from the center of the room. (laughs) Well, that's probably not good. Yeah, let's go this way. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. I like away from the door. Yeah. But the party's still got little, like, suns orbiting them, making little sunlights, wearing little hats. Yeah, now, opening the door, the stalker absolutely backs off from you. The combination of the lights and it's apparently extreme not wanting to go in the impact crater room, it takes off, uh, making an unusual, like, wounded animal noise that you have not heard it make before. Ooh. Um... So, I think we should leave. Yeah, we... Yes. Yes. Do we... We... Where, where's where's our map? Um, was I keeping track of that? I think I was keeping track of that. I was keeping track of that. Was I? Okay, yes. I roll adaptability navigation. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably going to need to have to, because, yeah, Rick doesn't have navigation. The good news is our surroundings are well lit. Mm-hmm. This is very true. Also, everybody does feel immediately a lot more focused getting out of the room. Like, just being out of the airlock 
you feel noticeably better. <sighs> it's that feeling of coming up from being underwater for too long. I got one success on adaptability navigation to get us out of here. All right. I think in that case, then, we're going to do what we did last time. The stalker has been driven off, so one of the tracks will be the escape track, and then we will have drive off and outlast as normal. But because of the wonderfully cheerful dancing sons with hats, Mm -hmm. um, the stalker is not going to get to do anything for a couple of rounds. So what does everybody want to do? (laughs) Bail. How much do we have in the pool again? I believe since last time, it looks like there was most of the pool was drained. But if Hazel wants to add her success, the pool will be three. Otherwise, it is currently two. Yeah. I think that's what we're going to do. And how much does escape cost right now? Because you have made it sort of to the center of the facility, um, each level of escape is going to be eight. And it is three levels to fully escape the facility. Okay. Okay. Yikes. I think that Lane is going to cast Quiet Advancing again, plus Daring Tactics to escape. I think that I've got enough scatter between the three in the pool and a dice roll. I can probably advance it. You know, actually, because everybody is under the wonderful Dancing Suns, I will say that this is a one-to-one. Oh, wonderful. Hooray! Yay! Everybody's feeling much better with the pleasant little Dancing Suns. Two scatter. All right. And that roll. Oh, well, that is a two, six, 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 five. <gasps> Ooh. That's a good roll. <gasps> That's a good roll. Means you only need to take two from the pool. I only need to take two from the pool. Yeah. So under the silent advance of the dancing suns, the party books it as fast as they can back through the snaking tunnels and winds up after like five or ten minutes of crawling over, you know, old beat-up earth uh, back in the sarcophagus room. Mm. Mm. You can tell, though, now that you're in the sarcophagus room because you punched the holes in the ceiling that the sun is starting to set. Mm. Well, this is downright homie in comparison. Hell. (laughs) Yeah. Don't like that sun. No, no, me neither. Mm. Do we? So we? Do we have any of that star metal, like special metal, in the room? Um, from what you can tell, the large sarcophagus is somewhat made out of it. We also just have those uh, key cards that we picked up that was made out of it, yeah. though, right? Oh yeah, yeah. The key cards have some in them. I guess in this world, is there such thing as like a magnetic north? And would this have properties of that? Remember compasses point at um, Tidal Augustine. Whether that is because Tidal Augustine lives on a large lodestone deposit that makes Tidal Augustine's location magnetic north, or for metaphysical reasons, I haven't decided. Okay. I like metaphysical reasons personally. Yeah. I was thinking of adding to the pool by rolling a tinkering roll to make, like, a rudimentary compass. Some, I mean, it's very base, but, like, just, like, okay, 
I balance it on this thing, and then the metal kind of will swivel and give us a general direction. Continue to help us navigate out of the... That's some real Rick Carter. <laughs> Rick Carter as basically older Professor MacGyver, I am totally okay with. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those this one-time Rick Carter stories. <laughs> So, yes, if Rick Carter wants to use understanding tinkering or something like that to assemble a small little compass out of bits and pieces of the materials here, uh, yeah, I think you can give me a roll then. All right, Rick. Don't let me down. Ah-ha! Three sixes, baby! Ooh. Nice. I take it this is going into the pool? It is. Oh, dang! Missed opportunity! Because I was like, what if I use teaching from the key to be like, Hey, this is a fun fact. Watch this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Unbearable. Next time. Unbearable. (laughs) I love to stretch things. It's what I do. This is true. (laughs) But that does bring the pool up to four. For someone with such little arms, you sure do love reaching. (laughs) (laughs) Womp womp. Uh, This would normally be the stalker's turn, but again, because of the little dancing suns, you can hear low moaning scraping sound coming from somewhere in the tunnels, but it's definitely not anywhere near you right now. So, what's the team doing? We have a pool of five, right? Yes. Okay. I think I'm going to contribute to the pool with a magical spell. Okay. I think I'm going to cast Mysterious Wind. Ooh. Which is going to cause, like, a wind to blow out of the facility toward the exit. Ah. Oh, because that's how, yeah. Because it'll show the the way the air, yeah. Yeah. It's not a big flashy spell. But you said it was, is it still one-to-one? Yeah, I'll say it's still one-to-one till the end of this turn. Okay. So I'm just going to add three to the pool and bring the pool up to a nice cozy eight by casting Mysterious Wind. Oh, the mysterious wind does smell like funnel cakes. <laughs> oh, now Rick's hungry. I like this one. <laughs> I like the mysterious funnel cake leads you out of the dungeon. So this is a good one. Well, it's true. Sense can definitely, I, I swear, I could locate coffee shops by the time of coffee. <laughs> okay, Hazel's magic has a theme and it's partying. <laughs> or has anyone ever been in a mall and known where the food court was because they could smell the Cinnabon? I think you've struck a chord with Kirsten over there. (laughs) Oops. This one time, Kirsten smelled... So the pool's at eight, and Lane and Rick still have things they can do. I feel like I shouldn't just roll Daring Tactics again. But it's a good roll, is the problem. It's a good roll. It is a good roll. Hmm. Could I add to the pool... By using daring engineering or subtlety engineering to try to block off where we came from so that in case the stalker is back there, it will have to do some Kool-Aid manning. Ooh, I like that. Um, or would you rather that be not a pool roll, but instead like an outlast roll or something like that? I would say that would probably make more sense as an outlast roll because it's you're very specifically stating that you want it to be harder for the stalker to find you. That's a good point. What would I need to beat? The outlast is the same as always, so it is every three reduces the stalker's aggression by one. It is currently because you have found the impact crater at 
pretty much maximum. Okay. Um, and can Rick help support with a adaptability tinkering rule? Yeah, if Rick and Lane want to try and semi-collapse or plug up something, I will let you two roll together. All right. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. All right, Lane. I know you, you understand these structures, so if you show me a weak point, I I could probably chisel away and then you, well, you know, levers and things like that, and then we can maybe get this to fall down. Lane is scratching at their wrist a little bit and looking around slightly feverishly and is trying to figure out what to use. Hazel's making little cheerleading gestures. <laughs> go, 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 go. Oh, not a good roll here. <laughs> two, 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 five. Oof. Oof. Oh, oh. Rick, four, three, two. <laughs> yeah, I think that Lane is kind of on the verge of panic. It's starting to set back in that they're being chased, night is falling, and uh, there's not a whole lot to work with without grave robbing again. Mm. Yeah. And and I, I think Rick is realizing he's in over his head. I mean, he tinkers around with old relics a little bit, helps restore a few doors at the college, but doesn't know how to... <laughs> so I will say that you've... Attempting to, to move some stuff around or collapse some stuff, The whatever the walls here were made out of are a little too sturdy for the tools that you have. But I will allow you to plunk that one over into the pool. We'll say that you found a useful tool or something. That's very benevolent of you. Thank you. Wow. Are we, like, moved a few large items or something that... Or maybe they start and then Lane is like, no, this is no good. No, this is no good. We just need to go. We just need to go. Let's go. Yeah, it's better better to move forward. All right. Uh, in that case, then, you definitely hear the scrabbling closing in on you. The stalker will go at the end of this round. But you do have time before then. What's everybody doing? Uh. I'm just going to straight roll adaptability navigation. I'm going to try to advance escape. All right. Well, there's currently nine in the pool. I got a five and three edge successes, all of which I'm going to take and four from the pool. All right. So that was three edge successes? Oh, it was three edge successes. So I, I will say that <laughs> if you take the edge successes, you will make it further back out towards the entrance again. But it will give the stalker an opportunity to mess with you. It will make a lesser attack against you immediately. Okay. We have to advance it one more time, and we've got five in the pool. We can do this. I think Rick is just going to do a straight understanding survival to try to get out. Before Rick goes, though, as everybody is running back through the hallways, rounding a corner, there is a large claw waiting for you. Yeah. Um... Mm. This is one success to avoid the large claw. Uh, it's going for Hazel because she's probably in front. Yeah, mm -hmm. she's probably in front. She's probably in front, and it will... Um, you know what? I think it's just going to give her a minus one die to her next roll if she gets hit by it. I'm fine with taking that. 
Okay. So Hazel takes a little bit of a scratch on the uh, the side of the face and the shoulder, Ow! but everybody manages to book it around it. And for just a moment, it just sort of watches you go, and then it's gone again, back somewhere else. Damn it. Mm. Everybody scrambles and makes it back towards the large storage unit, the lobby area around where you found the other holding tanks and the keycard machine. All right, let's uh, let's let's continue to 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 go go go. Daring survival or understanding survival. Understanding survival. Yeah, I also say it is six to escape here because this is where Hazel made that really good mental map. Oh well, yeah. Ooh. We have five in the pool, so take us home, Professor. All right. So five in the pool. Professor got two successes. Nice. Nice. Six to escape. So I'll take four from the pool. All right, cool. Uh, In that case, then, with the professor's map and Hazel's mental map, it is very easy to find the original route back out to the, I guess, access shaft that leads up into the evening outside. (gasps) And I guess Lane, you still have an action to do. Everybody is at the bottom of that, like, square shaft that leads up. There is, again, a sort of hastily carved spiral staircase up the side of it. But with the sun going down, you, well, I should say, you don't know whether or not the stalker is going to feel okay coming outside. Mm. Is there anything to engineering in the staircase? There are a fair amount of what looks to be like beams and bars and other things like set in the side that are kind of rickety and loose. There was some sort of elevator or other machine here at one point. So there's a lot of like, I guess, infrastructure around it that most likely Christina and the rest of the anthropology slash archaeology department have sort of cludged together to form an access here. There's plenty of stuff all around. Okay. You know, Lane is thinking, like, move fast. I think that Lane is actually going to daring athletics to outlast, to just, like, move a bunch of stuff together that it would suck to climb over. Okay, okay. That sounds reasonable. That is a success and an edge. So with the edge, that I will say that that will be enough to impede the stalker's movement, but it will take you a little bit of extra time, so you, or I should say that it might be a little darker when you finally get out. In that case, then, I think that Lane is the person in the horror movie who, like, throws an office chair at the slasher villain, and the slasher villain no-sells it. Yeah, that that sounds good. <laughs> Lane throws some things down, and then I take it everybody climbs out of the uh, out of the shaft. Yeah, come on, come on, let's go. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I, I, I'm not as, not as strong as I was, but yeah, uh, uh, kind of scrambles up, and his footing's not the greatest, but makes his way up. Were it not for the impending possessed monstrosity that's after you, it would be very gorgeous out right now. The sun is hanging low in the sky. It's that beautiful orange-red, which of course reflects brilliantly off of all of the grass on the veldt. And, uh, well, you're back outside. (sighs) Let's not stop. Yeah. The sun's going to dip below the horizon real soon. 
Come on, Professor. Hazel very quickly turns around to flip off the ruins and then scurries ahead. Good. Good. I I have taught you well. You haven't taught me shit. (laughs) Rick likes to get credit for a lot of things. Lane's gonna also just, like, gonna run, maybe grab something that the professor is carrying if the professor seems to be lagging and gets a success on during athletics. Oh, they, thank you. Uh, uh, that's definitely lightens my load. We're not through the lavender yet. We're not through the lavender yet. Keep moving, keep moving. Come on! <laughs> so because of this success, everybody gets a fair ways off, but looking back just one last time, Lane sees a figure rise up out of the ground and... The remaining little bits of light glint off of it ominously, and it starts moving towards you. Damn it. Oh, I don't like that. (laughs) Keep going, keep going. Yes, you have a fair amount of distance on it, though. Go, 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 go. I think the professor's going to try to roll a daring athletics to, like, put a little more gas in his engine. To just book it on out of there? I make comments about him not being at his athletic prime, but in his prime, he was quite athletic, so he's still, you know, got a little bit of gumption, especially if the need arises. He's got the muscle memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shoot. This roll on this is not great. Oh, well. Try to put a little extra pep. Could you roll at adaptability instead? Ooh, okay. I like that. I like that. That actually would make more sense for Rick, who's kind of like, well, I'm not as good as I used to, but, you know, let me shift my pack around, that sort of thing. So give me that adaptability athletics, then. Hey, one success. Okay, that'll put a little bit of extra distance between the party and the stalker. Hazel and Lane, what are you two doing? Daring athletics from Hazel has two successes. Right, Hazel is just, you know, pedal to the metal, let's go. Yeah, (laughs) as energetic as ever, Hazel is solving this problem by booking. That sounds just fine to Lane, who is also running, and that's a success and an edge. Then Lane is likely to only take the success unless you give me a really interesting choice. Um, I will say with the edge, everybody puts enough distance between them and the stalker to keep it from catching up to them for quite a while. Mm-hmm. But you're going to drop something. Oh. Hmm. That plays to Lane. I like that. So, taking the edge then? Mm-hmm. All right. There's a little dip, and everybody kind of goes down it, and it heads back up. It's a, a little bumpy, really hard to tell in the grass, because the grass is all kind of hiding what the actual topography is. Lane almost takes a spill, but manages to catch themselves. But unfortunately, a couple things from their pack gets loose, and the key card falls behind. Keep going, keep going, keep going. He he doesn't he doesn't need it anyway, remember? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The real key card was the friends we made along the way. Go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful. <sighs> the group crests over another small little hill, and while it is starting to be dark out now, you do see that wavy tube noodle over the next hill. Through the lavender, right? Mm. We're not far from it. 
Let's go, let's go. Let's keep going, let's keep going. Run, 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 run. Um, when we get there, how many people, are there people out around? Outside? No. Everybody would be inside at this point. It is dark, and remember, the Vorslov's farm is a lot closer to the Boundary Garden than most things are because, again, they have Gary. Because I think Rick is going to want to warn people to, I don't know, start a fire or something to make in their place to keep the stalker at bay. He doesn't know if the stalker might, like, does it go into the farm? Does it not? How far is it going to follow them? All right. How does Rick want to uh, make a call then? I do remember Marilyn is still there at the farm. All right. So Rick is going to use understanding humanity with socialization key. All right. And will he also be casting a spell or using one of his... He is an infiltrator, right? Yeah. No, just the, the, the role and the key. Okay. I guess this is sort of just a quick, like, hey, everybody, this is what's happening. Let's get into position. Or maybe tr- tactics would be better for that. Tactics? You can use your ability. You're an infiltrator ability. Huh? Yeah, but my sister, I'm, Rick is scattered very, very heavily. And oh, when? A lot of scattered. Into your assist pool? Yeah. Use the assist pool. Was it last session or session before? I can't remember now. Pulled in a word or something. Used an extra word. Hmm. Okay. I think it was something like that because yeah. I have the assist pool up to four. You've definitely done plenty then. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say in that case then, yeah, give me the, you said it was what, understanding humanity? Yeah, or I was thinking maybe understanding tactics to like get everything in position. Like, okay, we're going to Gary with the key card. You help start a fire for there so the stalker doesn't get in the house. Kind of like with the socialization part of, of his key. All right, well... The person you meet first is Gary, who kind oh. of looks down at you, or what you assume he's looking down at you as you show back up. Yes, Gary and Vohm are still are still together. Vohm just kind of looks down and says, what took you so long? In that case then, yes, Lane is going to tell Vohm off and gets two successes on a daring roll and says, listen, you asshole, we were just where Gary came from. And let me tell you, if you don't like agree to what he wants, he's gonna kick your ass and there's nothing any of us can do to stop it. Yeah. Turns out we can't control him. And Foam is a little startled and kind of looks at Gary and says, can't control it? What? what? He does what he wants. There really, he, I, <sighs> If you want to go down there yourself and check out that shit, be my guest, but I am never going back there. You do not want to mess with whatever it is that he's got going on there. I'm going to adaptability humanity. And I think Hazel's going to, as much as she appreciates what Lane has done here, I think after the initial asshole, I think it's time for Hazel to take the reins. <laughs> All right, Hazel, uh, let's, let's hit that adaptability humanity then. Uh, one success, two edges. So I will say with the two edge successes, you will convince the two 
to get on with it, but it's going to take a little bit and your friend might show up. You know what? I think for my little bit, I think I'm going to climb back up. I think Hazel's going to climb back up to talk to both of them kind of face to face. Good. Just look. He does what he wants, which means you guys got a parlay. He's protecting the goats. And I mean, I understand that you think you've got a right to the goats, but that's not going to convince him. And he does what he wants. You guys need to figure out a peaceful way out of this because we can't make him let go of you. And also, it is following us, yes. You're not going to like it. It's horrible. We hate it. And with that, Vome is about to say something, but then kind of looks past you and immediately starts wiggling even more and making all sorts of uncomfortable noises. And Hazel turns around and sure enough, over there is the stalker. And Vome just kind of says, fine, just, just get it away. Just get rid of it. Okay. And with that, suddenly Vome is in the air. Like, way, way, way in the air. And so is Hazel, but not that much. Oh, no! (laughs) Almost faster than you can tell. There is a huge metal hand now wrapped around the stalker's face. And like a strong man ripping a phone book in half, Gary tears the stalker with a horrible metal rending noise completely in half, freeing a horrible mass of blinking milky eyes and sharp protrusions and then just kind of steps on it like a bug. Oh. (laughs) Just over and over and over. Harry likes the stalker less than we do. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck him up. Woo. Can Lane roll, it should be an adaptability athletics plus loyalty to try to catch Hazel. (laughs) Please do. Yeah. That's an edge success. I will say with the edge success, you will catch Hazel, but mostly by, let's say you'll catch Hazel in the same way that a uh, beanbag chair catches a falling kitty. That's exactly what I was hoping. (laughs) (laughs) So Hazel has a not nearly as rough landing as Lane has a rough landing. (laughs) Nice save, bud. And I think that, like, Lane, like, gives her a hug. (laughs) You totally called that dragon an asshole. (laughs) I'm I'm so glad that you're not my students because I would so be fired for taking you on a field trip like this. (laughs) Yeah, you haven't taught us anything. (laughs) And I don't think I've learned anything from this either. I think I'm just going to tear up this research book when we get back and hope no one follows this direction again. <sighs> By this point also, the, like some of the Vorslevs are coming out of the house as they've heard the tremendous stomping noises of Gary squishing a horror. And you can also see Marilyn has also woken up and walking outside as uh, Gary just kind of is slowly trundling back over to everybody, holding the two pieces of the destroyed stalker. (sighs) Well, (sighs) we did it. (laughs) 
Yay. And the professor just kind of like sort of hunches over and it's, it's been a long day. It's been a very long day. Mm. And, you know, as Piotr and Marilyn are kind of running up and being like, oh my God, what's happened? Is everybody okay? Vom is also slowly floating back down. You notice that Gary is starting to fish around for something inside of the stalker and pulls out a small box of some sort, sets it aside, and then squishes the body into a ball, at which point Gary stands up a little straighter and his whole chest raises up, and you can see some sort of internal mechanism open up, and he just stuffs the entirety of the now, like, wadded up stalker into his body and closes. Uh, uh, robots eat. Okay, that, um... Oh, you were hungry, huh, big guy? Aw. At which point, jets of flame shoot out of his back, (gasps) and you can see that underneath his metal skin there is red hot, like something is heating up. And everybody is just kind of sitting here watching... The fire only lasts maybe a minute, and then it noticeably gets dry. There's a whooshing noise. The moisture is noticeably sucked out of the air, and a giant gout of steam erupts out of Gary's shoulders, at which point he kind of opens back up and pulls out a small ingot from within his body and hands it to Lane. Lane blinks and takes it as if they can't even believe the thing that just happened. Thoughts ranging from what I wouldn't give to have a forge like that versus like, holy fuck, holy fuck, what is even going on, Gary? You are amazing and terrifying. So what they end up saying is, uh, thank you. Gary then picks up the little box that he had left and puts it up somewhere in him, closes back up, and then his skin kind of gets a little brighter, a little more reflective, and he stands up a little straighter. And um, he's now a little taller than you remember, or at least his posture is a lot better. And as Vohm floats down, again, faster than he should, he reaches up, pinches the dragon by the nose, and swishes him to the ground, but instead of a dragon, a a rather perplexed and a little scared human is standing there, wearing a pretty simple outfit, and just kind of goes, you're not allowed to do that. How how could you do that? The, like... Uh, and Gary just leans down, holds a finger out, and wags his finger at Vohm. No, like I said, you don't want to mess with this, dude. Well, world's full of mysteries, huh? I, I I know I like to, to stretch for things, and I would like to say Rick rolls an understanding tinkering roll and figure out what just happened. But <laughs> you shit. You. Oh, I'm getting on an airplane. Oh. But there's no way that that. Rick just kind of stands there, mouth kind of open the whole time, like, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> okay. Look, if there's anything we've learned today, it's that the world is full of things you can eat. 
Like robots. Mm-hmm. Apparently. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gary is also now, like, making hand gestures at Vome that look like sign language. Oh. At which point you hear Sasha saying, I didn't realize he learned. Sorry, I, I teach some kids from, from the village and one of them is deaf, so I've, I've taught Gary to sign. Up until now, I didn't think he was paying attention. Aww. What, what's what's yeah. he saying? Uh, wow. He's saying that we have food inside, and if they would like to come in for dinner, that would be okay. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> oh, Gary. Sounds like a party. Now, I know what you're about to say. Hazel, everything sounds like a party to you, but this actually does, for real. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Hmm. Party? Party. Party? Yeah. Want her party? Want her party. Yeah, you know, if I'm going to teach you anything, I'm going to teach people how to party. Because back in my day, did we party? We learned how to party. Let's party. You know, Professor, I believe you about this. I'm gonna need, like, ten minutes to get myself ready. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I mean, a good party always starts with a good nap, or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's step one of party. At this point, the kids are also out, and they are just like, who? who's the new person? Who's that? Uh, that's, that's Vum. I... I thought they were a big noodle. Oh, dragons can be shaped like whatever. And like, this is, I think it was Gary decided that they were gonna look like this. I like this better. Thank you, Gary. And Gary just kind of waves at them and Kay lights up and says, he's never done that. <gasps> hey, Vom, can you be a bunny? Why? I don't know. Can you be a goat? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> How about... I bet they'd like it if you were a goat. They love goats. Yeah. Or, um... Can can I, can I have dinner first? I've, I've been wrestling for three days. That would, that would make anyone pretty famished, for sure. Yeah. I think we've all been wrestling for three days when you really think about it. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds about right. And I think the thing that we wrestle with the most, everybody, is memory time. (laughs) 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 So what were everybody's memories? I enjoyed horror movie escape sequence. Yeah, it was tense. Yeah, I was very curious there as to how getting out was going to shake out. At first, I was like, maybe we can fight it and feed it to the void, because that would be really metal. That would be fucking metal. But I like horror movie escape sequence, because we got to get saved by our giant robot buddy. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, Gary's pretty boss, I gotta say. (laughs) Oh, there's a lot of things I really liked. I loved escape sequence, but just that, like, Gary's like, hey... I'm going to rip this horror 
in half. And I'm going to take this. I'm going to forge this. And here you go, Elaine. It's like, yeah, I liked how the kids were suddenly much more okay with Vom. <laughs> Vom is much less intimidating when they are roughly kid-sized. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Most things are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But my memory is I really like the fact that everybody liked this. Yay. I'm going to be real sappy because Aww. that's the end of my adventure, everybody. And so I'm allowed to be sappy. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, that's what the ending is for. That's absolutely what the ending is for. But every ending is an opportunity for a new beginning. And there'll be another story that you'll run. Yeah, maybe I will. Mm-hmm. Which we will be able to hear on... Oh, yeah, sorry, on on the website? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I wasn't expecting that to come from Kirsten. <laughs> Kurt, yeah. Kirsten said it so hard. Kirsten sniped my segue. It's like, I'm standing in front of Nick, like, I'm open, I'm open. And then Kirsten beans me in the side of the head with the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Look, Kirsten does what she wants. I can't stop her. (laughs) No one can stop Kirsten. That's true. Uh, I mean, if you think you can stop Kirsten, first of all, you're wrong. Second of all, (laughs) let me know your plans, please. (laughs) And you can let me know your plans for stopping Kirsten on Twitter at PeachGardenRPGs or sortofsymphonies.com. We have a form you can use to email us. Or, why not, meet our friends at the Be Gay World Dice Network, pop onto our Discord, and, I mean, we'll take a quick break from shitposting to listen to your plans for how we defeat Kirsten. Oh, we absolutely will. Mm -hmm. And there's also a GoFundMe page to figure out ways to stop Kirsten. There isn't, Kirsten, that's a lie. (laughs) That is a lie. That's not actually a thing. (sighs) But it could be if you try hard enough, listener. If you believe. If you believe hard enough. And uh, we will see you next time. (laughs) See you, listener. Bye-bye. We love you. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening. And it always fills our heart with joy. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. Come listen to Dice or Roll, the gayest Pathfinder podcast on the planet. We ask the hard questions like, is it morally acceptable to kiss a goblin? Is it cool to use spell slots to warm up leftovers? Would the gods be mad if I wrote slash fic about them? We're a group of four friends who play Pathfinder 2nd Edition every week and go on adventures like none other. We've just launched our brand new season, Extinction Curse, which follows the adventures of the Circus of Wayward Wonders, as they put on the greatest show in all of Galarian and uncover ancient secrets and long-forgotten foes from a bygone era. If you like circuses, clowns, and a little bit of magic, come check us out, and make sure that no matter what, you keep it rolling.